The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. If you'd like to find out more about us and how we strive to be a gospel-centered, city-focused church community, visit us at missioday.org. Ephesians chapter number four, verse seven. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, and this is a quote from Psalms chapter number 68, Paul's quoting it. It says, when he ascended on high, he led of host the captives and he gave gifts to men. Quote ends, verse nine. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower region? the earth. He who descended is is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. God, help us to understand the truths of your word, hear the gospel, respond in faith and repentance. Verse seven through uh, 10, I want us to look at this statement and we'll, we'll dissect it a little bit, but I want us to understand that as Paul is writing, Again, he's writing from prison to these Ephesians people. He spent three chapters talking about positional truths, uh, marking them for who they are in Christ. And now he's turned the corner and he's talking about the, the, the marks, the uh, practical truths, not the position, not who we are in Christ, but what we do as a result of being people that are connected to Christ. He talks about these gifts, and I want us to see and understand that God gives each of us gifts that we do not deserve. God gives each of us gifts that we do not deserve. Verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so he's, he's distributed this in his ascension, in his descension to the earth, in his overcoming of death and over his resurrection to new life and inviting us into that. As a result, he's given us these spiritual gifts. And so we've heard of spiritual gifts, right? Ephesians 4 mentions them. They're mentioned again in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. They're mentioned again in Romans chapter number 12. 1 Peter 4 makes mention of these spiritual gifts. And no One of the list is identical to the other. And so it leads us to know that there are more gifts than just the four mentioned in this text. There are broad ranges of gifts. Some of these gifts would include uh, hospitality, uh, encouragement, uh, teaching, evangelism, leadership is mentioned, uh, all these things. And there's so many more. And we won't dive into the depths of the details of all of these gifts. I encourage you to do that 
on your own time, but we want to understand, I think Paul is teaching the Ephesian people and therefore teaching us to understand that God has given each one of us gifts according to his grace, gifts that we do not deserve. Grace is the undeserved favor of God towards us. We know that God is gracious. We know that God is merciful. But there is a difference between grace and mercy, right? The difference between grace and mercy is that with mercy is God withholding from us what we do actually deserve, right? He's shown us mercy in his son by not making us pay for the penalty of our own sin. That's mercy. But grace is contrary to that. It is giving to us what we do not deserve. So we don't deserve new life in Christ, but Christ has given that to us in his grace. And then Paul goes on to talk about this grace that is given in so many ways, but here he's speaking particularly of the spiritual gifts that we have been given through Christ. Christ has secured for us in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, his ascension back to the right hand of Father, these gifts. He gives them to us of his grace freely. Every person in here has gifts that God has uniquely created you with. And our response to these gifts can be a response of gratitude where we're thankful, where we seek out God's purposes in giving them. Or the response can be with a heart of ingratitude. And we can begin to believe as we hear even the reality that God has given us gifts that we do not deserve is that we either, one, don't have any gifts, we have nothing to offer, or we actually do deserve these undeserving gifts, right? We've, we've honed our skills, we've uh, uh, worked our talent, we've prepared, we've worked, we've learned, we've put in a lot of practice. And so these gifts aren't gifts of God's grace that he gives freely to us undeservingly, we've actually earned the right to have them. And so when we do that, we begin using those gifts for purposes not intended, designed, or created by God. Instead of being humble recipients of God's gracious gifts, we can become arrogant abusers of God's gracious gifts and use our gifts to tear people down instead of using our gifts to build people up. And so Paul wants to make us aware right at the beginning that our gifts are gifts given to each of us. Everyone has received gifts according to the grace of God through his son Jesus. Second thing I'd like to, to understand and know from this text, verse 11 through 12, we see that God gives each of us gifts God gives each of us gifts that are collectively diverse. God gives each, each of us gifts that are collectively diverse. And so while he's given us gifts of his grace and he's gifted each person uniquely and individually, he gives us a diversity of gifts collectively as people who are united in Christ, organized in his body, the church, even on a local level, all right? So what does that mean for us? It means that as God has given us these differing gifts that are needed for the growth and maintaining of unity within the church, 
right? He's given each one of us gifts that are for the growth and the maintaining of unity in the church. Let's look at verse 12 uh, in chapter four for just a second. Start in 11, and it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And so we see in just this short list of gifts that Paul is talking about in this text, we see two different types. We see apostles, prophets. Then we see uh, teachers, pastors, right? And so we see this idea and evangelists. So we see uh, the gift of apostle, uh, not the position of apostle, as we've already learned in our study of Ephesians, that the, uh, the title, the position of apostle has ceased with the dying of the 12 original apostles that God used to breathe out the inspired words that he had for his people that has ceased. With the completion of a Bible, the office of a prophet has ceased, but those giftings still go on. Right? An apostle is a gift of somebody that has been sent out to accomplish a task. They're motivated. They're self-starters. They, they make things appear through the power of God from nothing. Right, And so there's some apostolic gifting that even various people in this room possess, but none of us are apostles. Right? There's a prophetic gifting. Some of us have the ability to speak truth in clearly uh, identified words that cut to the heart of our culture. We have prophetic gift, but none of us are prophets, right? There, we, some of us in here are, are, uh, have a, a pastoring or a shepherding gift, but we may not necessarily be pastors, all right? And some of us have teaching gifts, and that takes on a bunch of different formats. Some of us teach our children as we disciple them. Some of us teach our family as we disciple them. Some of us teach one another in community. Some of us do our best teaching in the world sitting across the table from somebody at a coffee shop opening up the word of God, or informally having conversations, right? He's given us these gifts. Some of us have the gift of evangelism. We may not be evangelists by position, or maybe plumbers, electricians, mechanics, engineers, but God has given us a unique ability and gift to declare truth in a way that people easily understand. And so you've had the privilege as an evangelist to share the gospel with people and see faith awakened inside of their heart as a result of the Holy Spirit drawing that person to themselves, right? We all have these giftings. And he's give, given those gifts to the church, sometimes through church leadership, sometimes not through church leadership. Sometimes it's the people that are coming. But why does he give them to them? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So one thing I wanna uh, dialogue and discuss about is this idea uh, that originated uh, early on in, in Christianity that there is a, a clergy and a laity division in the church. That God gifts and calls certain people to leadership and there's a separate class of people that aren't gifted or called to that leadership and one does the ministry and one watches the ministry. One participates in the ministry, one supports the ministry. Right, and God's church and Paul's teaching is teaching us that within the church, within the body of Christ, he has given some people gifts of leadership. He's given some people in the position of pastor and elder and shepherd and teacher and overseer. But the purpose of those giftings is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The saints, remember we looked all the way back to the first book, uh, first study in the book of Ephesians where we learned that saints were those people 
that have been united by Christ. So as believing people, saints of God, God has uniquely gifted certain people in his body within the church for the equipping, for the encouraging, for the building up of all of us so that we all can do the work of the ministry, right? And so as we seek, what are we doing? We're planting a church. Am I planting this church? No, am I a part of planting this church? Yes. Are you guys planting this church? No, but are you a part of planting this church? Yes, and God's uniquely gifted us, brought us together with various gifts, various inputs, various strengths, various weaknesses to equip one another to be built up, to be sent out, to do the work of the ministry. We'll talk a little bit in a moment about what the work of the ministry is. Although we are created in the image of God, we all experience life under the curse of sin, right? I hope that's not a surprise to anybody. Although we are all, every single one of us created in the image of God, we all, without a doubt, experience life under the curse of sin and therefore we are imperfect people. We are people that are unable without the assistance of others to supply all that is necessary for a high functioning, flourishing, faithful, and fulfilling life, right? Our weaknesses are represented in the strengths of others inside of the body, just as our strengths are represented in the weaknesses of other believers. So what does that create? It creates a body of people that need one another, right? Paul's saying unity is created by God, but it's created and maintained, not in just the things that he listed, but also in the diversity of the gifting of the people that he has called and united and organized together. And so because of this reality, we don't all possess the same giftedness. There is diversity amongst the way that God has uniquely gifted us, right? Some of that comes through life experiences, some of that comes through personality, all of that, because we don't all have the same experiences. We don't all have the same backgrounds. We don't all have the same perspectives. We don't all have the same weaknesses. We don't all have the same strength. We all see things a little bit differently, don't we? And that's the beauty of God bringing a people, uniting them together is that weaknesses and strengths, perspectives uh, cover each other blind spots. We make up where each other lacks. Therefore, the body is weakened when we believe that unity means uniformity and we can expect everyone to behave, to respond, to look, and to think just like us, right? And when we do that, what are we doing? We're inhibiting, we're limiting the work that God wants to do through his body as we try to only spend time with, only do life with people that think, do have the same background, the same experience as is us. And so God is teaching us through the apostle Paul that we need one of another. Some of us miss out on what God is doing in our lives because we are unwilling to see and confess our weaknesses. Or we're unwilling to see uh, the strengths of others 
and the need for other people as a result. Verses 12 through 16, the Apostle Paul goes on to teach us that God gives each of us gifts to be used for his determined purpose. God gives each of us gifts to be used for his determined purposes. God gives the church gifted people so that the church can be equipped, empowered, and encouraged to do the work of the ministry. He said, yeah, you've already covered that. Do the work of the ministry. That's why he's brought us together. That's why he's given us a diversity of gifts. But what is the work of the ministry? Paul goes on to tell us that in starting in verse 13. The work of the ministry is that the church would be, begin growing together in Christian spiritual maturity, right? We wouldn't look the same way that we looked two months ago, two years ago, three years ago. There'd be identifiable growth as we are growing. How are we growing? Verse 13 talks about growing in Christ-likeness. Growing in Christ-likeness. God has gifted us, united us together, and has uniquely gifted us to be able to help one another grow to look more like Christ today than we did yesterday. To look more like Christ, to live more like Christ two years from now than we do right now, right? We're built up, we're organized, we're gifted to grow in Christ-likeness. But he goes on in verses 13 through 14, we see that we are growing in maturity as we grow in theological clarity and discernment, right? God has gifted us, some of us as teachers, to teach the scripture so that we would be rooted and grounded in Christ's love through the work of the gospel so that, as Paul writes in verse 13, so that we would mature to manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children, so that we may no longer be immature, so that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by the waves of the culture and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We wouldn't be uh, distracted by the human cunning and craftiness, by deceitful schemes, right? He's saying that he's gifted us so that we would grow to understand God more so that when we hear weird things, we question it, we ask it. And so we don't jump in to believe new doctrines that aren't rooted and founded in scripture. Paul's saying he's gifted the church so that we learn and so that we grow in our understanding of God so that we're not deceived, right? And one thing that's severely lacking in today's church is a discernment for what is truth. People become very popular, very easy, uh, very famous, and we jump on the words that they're saying as if they were the gospel themselves. And Paul's driving us back to a thorough, clear, defined understanding of the truths of this book so that we aren't driven by every change so that we aren't deceived and led away by false doctrine or manipulative leaders, right? He wants us to be able to see who it is that's deceiving us. And we need one another so that we can understand clearly. Church grows in spiritual maturity by speaking the truth in love, Paul says. Verse 15 through 16. 
Truthing is actually the language. We truth one another in love. That doesn't make for good English, does it? Truthing is the idea that it's not just something we say with our words, but it's a holistic approach to the truth. Our actions declare truth. Our love declares truth. The things that we don't do and the things we do declare truth. The things we say and we don't say declare truth. It's a holistic approach to living a life according to the truth, but doing it in love, right? Because we all know people that, that, that know a lot of things and they understand a lot of truth, but when they communicate even truthful things to us, we don't hear it because it's not coming and being received in love. But we also know those people that can say anything to us, no matter how harsh it might feel in the moment, no matter how difficult it might believe the truth that they're saying, we know and understand they love us so deeply that even the truth that they're speaking is being spoken out of a love for our heart and for our souls. And as a pastor, Sometimes I have to say difficult things to people, but I hope that I'm growing in an understanding that they know without a doubt, even the harsh things that I'm saying is coming from a posture of love and care for their souls. And we should all be growing up into that. And then verse 16, spiritual maturity growing in that looks like contributing to the body, contributing to the body as God's organized us in a local church as he's united believers together for the work of the ministry. He does so uh, by all people contributing to the body. That means that everybody, everybody has a part to play, right? Everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a gift that's needed. Everybody has talent, time, and energy that's necessary for spiritual maturity of the believers to happen. And so when one part is missing, the whole body is weakened, right? I understand that. Like we have a body and I love the, the figurative way that, that the Apostle Paul uses and scripture throughout uses that we are the body of Christ. And so every single body part becomes necessary, right? We understand that. Like if our finger's missing, that really inhibits the ability to work with our hands. When our, our leg hurts, that really inhibits our ability to do what we need to do. When our mind is not right or we're stopped up or there's something that's sick or there's a weakness that ails us, it really inhibits the health of the overall thing. Like we get a migraine and our mind and our brain's not working the way it should, it shuts us down, right? We understand that. And Paul's using that to say that every one of us has a gift. Every one of us has talents. Everybody has things that are needed by the collective group of people that God has assembled. And when one person's not present or when one person's not doing what they have been gifted to do, everybody suffers. Everybody suffers as a result right? The gifts God has given his people are the ways in which the ministry of Jesus is extended on earth so that when we see the gifts at work, we shouldn't be driven to celebrate the person that is gifted. We should be driven to adore Jesus, who is the gift giver, right? 
That's what we should be doing. In summary, what Paul's trying to teach us in this text is that God has created his diversely gifted people to be dependent on him and interdependent on one another, right? We grow in dependence on God as we grow in interdependence on one another. The two are not mutually exclusive, right? You really can't have a strong dependence on God until you have a strong interdependence on God's people. You can't have a strong interdependence on God's people until you have a strong dependence on God, right? And so it, it worries me. My heart grieves. My heart hurts when I hear people say things like, I love Jesus, but man, I just don't see any need for his church, Right? And I understand that that's coming from, in a lot of people's lives, a lot of hurt, experience as a result of being a part of an imperfect body that's coming from a lot of hurt because of spiritual leaders that have done ungodly and wicked things. But Christ has uniquely created us and he's uniquely wired us and he's gifted us accordingly so that we would learn to grow in dependence on him and interdependence on him his people. And if we will maintain unity, we must embrace diversity in really tangible ways. It means we let people that have different gifts into dif- different gifts in us into our lives in a community of people so they can speak truths into areas where we might be immature. Where they can say things to us that we may not like to hear but it's for the building up of us to conform us more to the image of Christ, to make us look more, make us live more like Jesus. It's necessary. And so God gives us a diversity of backgrounds, diversity of experiences, diversity of personalities, and a diversity of gift sets. Even in a room like this, where culturally, for the most part, we all look the same and experience the same thing. We all have very different backgrounds. We all have very different perspectives. We all have very different experiences. And every single one of them is vital and necessary to the health and the growth of this body, right? It's also good for us to understand, again, revisiting what we've already discussed all the way back up in verses seven and eight, that this gifting is not a result of our abilities but spiritual gifting that the Holy Spirit has given us because of the work of Christ and what he has accomplished in victory over our sin, he's given us these gifts. And so our gospel conviction this morning is this. Spiritual unity is not maintained in uniformity, but through the diversity of gifted people that Jesus has united together in Christ. Our text, verse eight and nine, says that Jesus descended This is his coming to earth. This is his crucifixion. He descended from heaven to earth to walk among us and then descended even lower as he took on all of our sin and died in our place. He died the death we deserved so that we could have the life and live in peaceful relationship with the Father. But it's also in his ascension. He resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father empowering us to walk in his ways for his purposes, bringing glory to his name, but also joy 
to our souls. As we've been created in the image of God, God has uniquely gifted us, uniquely wired us, uniquely placed us in the body that we are a part of for our building up, for our maturity, for the maturity of everybody else, but he also knows because he's created us and knows us more than anybody else that this is the soil in which our growth happens and where we experience the most joy, right? As we mature in Christ-likeness, as we mature in interdependence on each other and dependence on him, he knows our heart will be most satisfied and joyful. It's a beautiful thing. The good news of the gospel isn't just that our sins have been forgiven and we have been given new life, although we have. The good news of the gospel is that in the resurrection power of Jesus, we are being challenged by the truths of God's word through the work of God's son, Jesus, uh, brought to us by the words of God's people. We're being corrected. We're being changed to live more and look more like Jesus. That is good news. In that is hope. In that is life. Because the sins that you and I struggle with right now aren't the sins that we'll always struggle with because Jesus is our victory. Our weaknesses that we are experiencing right now won't always be our weakness because Jesus is our strength. The turmoil that we are enduring externally out in the world that we live in or internally inside of our own souls, we won't always ignore because Jesus is our peace. The suffering that we are experiencing, we won't always experience because Jesus is our healing. And he's brought us together. He's united us to himself. He's given us victory. He's given us peace. He's given us life. He's given us healing. And oftentimes the the medium in which he uses for us to understand those truths more is time spent living in community, interdependent with God's people. It's vital. It's necessary. Paul is encouraging the church to understand this this morning. Jesus is changing us and he is doing so through the growth in our understanding of God which grows as our interdependence on his people grows. See, we can understand God more fully as we learn to understand one another because God is created us all in his image and he's gifted us uniquely according to his grace. And so we don't get a good picture of God by looking in the mirror. We get a much better picture of God looking at around a room like this, full of his creatures, full of people that he's made very differently, gifted very differently, given life experiences very differently. Then we begin to truly understand who God is. Right, and when we isolate ourselves from that, we hurt, we suffer, and the church body as a whole hurts and suffers, right? The good news is Jesus 
is our unity. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our victory. Jesus is our strength. And so we look to him. We depend on him as we depend on one another. Response this morning is very simple. Uncover your gifts. Uncover your gifts. Some of us in a, in a sense of humility can act as if we have nothing to offer the body of Christ. Quit believing those lies. Apostle Paul here very clearly says that each one of us has been uniquely gifted according to the mercy and grace of God. Ask the Spirit of God to show you how Jesus has gifted you. Those people that he's placed you in community with, ask them, what have you noticed about my strengths and my weaknesses? And then simply, what is it that you just enjoy doing? What do you find life giving? Is this something that you can do to serve the body of Christ? If so, you might be on the right track of uncovering what it is that God has uniquely gifted you to do and participate in the body of Christ with, right? Next thing is this, and this is the last thing, and we'll close here. Use your gifts. Uncover your gifts, discover your gifts, learn what your gifts are, then put them into practice. Use them. We all have something to offer. There's always needs around us. So offering what we have in a place that is a need brings glory to God, brings strength to the body, and everybody matures as a result of it. If you can't find a need, if you're struggling using your gifts, please ask. How are you using your gifts to speak the truth in love? How are you using your gifts to speak the truth in love? How are you using your gifts to share in the work of the ministry, to build up, to mature, to grow and disciple one another? And how are you using your gifts to serve the body of Christ that he has placed you in? I'll invite the band back up. I'll pray. We'll continue leading us in our time of response this morning. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your goodness that you extend to us in just so many ways. We looked at one way today in the way that you've uniquely wired, gifted us, and created us. We find joy, we find life, we find hope. Pray that we would grow as a body of believers to be more dependent on you as we're more interdependent on each other. That's your design. But you've not created any of us for isolation. You've created us all for community as we reflect the image of God who lives in perpetual community as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Lord, help us see that. Help us embrace that. Help us to uncover our gifts and help us to use our gifts for your glory and our joy. Amen.